My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 27, Pick Up Your Cross. I might be starting off with a little too much information for you guys, but I'm sitting here. I'm trying to balance, you know, I have a house full of teenage boys, or I shouldn't say house full, two. To me, it's a house full. I'm friends that have 10 kids, and to me, two is a house full. I wasn't quite prepared of being mom of teenage boys. I mean, I think there's a reason God gave me boys because I think a girl would end up hating me because I know what I was like. And sorry, mom and dad, for all of the angst I put you through as a teenage girl. Um, but um, I don't think she and I would see eye to eye. And I know that my husband would be completely useless with a daughter because she would own him. As I watched the little girls in our neighborhood absolutely own my husband. Oh, Mr. Paul or firefighter Paul, will you take me for a ride in your truck? Well, of course. He would drop everything for the little girls in this neighborhood where I would be a single parent going, seriously, she's not walking out of the house wearing that. Anyway, so my little too much information is I'm trying to fit these episodes when there's no one home. So I'm not, you know, I can A, stay focused on what I want to say and, you know, what I want to communicate and B, I want there to be no interruptions of mom, I need this or mom, where's that? Or mom, I'm hungry or which, Hey, again, change of perspective. I'm so glad they're still under my roof. I'm so glad that they still need me. Um, cause I know my mom and dad, you know, I live, my, my parents are in Texas and I'm in California. It's been that way for the last 21 years, which is hard to believe that I've been out of the state of Texas for 21 years. I, next year, I will have lived in California for as long as I'd lived elsewhere, lived with my, with my, I guess in California, but or in Texas, but I guess I started my life in back East. I was born in Pittsburgh. I grew up and I've only lived three months in Pittsburgh, born in McGee hospital, downtown Pittsburgh. And, um, but then when I was three months old, we moved to West Virginia. My dad was a steel worker and he lived in West Virginia until I was five. And then my dad moved us to Texas because he was made an offer he couldn't refuse to work um, in the steel business in Texas. So I guess I've actually lived in California almost as long as I've lived anywhere else, which is kind of crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. But anyway, I try to record these episodes when there's nobody home. So you don't get the background noise. You don't get barking dog. Hopefully you don't get, you know, background noise of my kids. And, uh, it's so funny. So I'm racing to record this. I've just gone to the gym, which seriously praise God. I didn't know if I'd ever be able to set foot in the gym, but I'm sitting here smelling myself. Thank God that this only picks up my voice and not my odor because you would probably turn me off immediately. Anyway, I digress. I'm completely off topic right now, but I try to make this as authentic as possible. And I want you to feel like you're like sitting next to me in the room. Um, too bad you can't see my hand gestures because you know, I told you guys I'm Italian. I talk with my hands all the time and um, it would be way more entertaining for you if you could see my hands flying and my facial expressions. So anyway, that's why I try to make this as you know authentic as possible. You know what's going on. I want you to feel like you know me for those of you that don't know me that listen to this. 
Anyway, um, I want to share a story with you that had happened during this, during my diagnosis that some very dear friends of ours, um, a gesture they made for me. And one day in the middle of, I guess it was in September, in September, I, this all started, I, as I told you guys before, I have a Caring Bridge journal that I still keep up. Um, if you go on caringbridge.com and you just search my name, you'll see my journals. I think I have about 93 or so journal entries, maybe 91, um, that I continue to, um, I lost the word. Sorry. I lose words a lot. It's not a side effect. I always have. Um, but I, I continue to just record what was happening that originally I did it because as I told the story in the beginning, you know, I, I, you know, my husband was letting everybody know what was going on. It was one stop shop for people trying to figure out, especially in the beginning and things were quite dire and, um, scary and people wanted to know specifically what to pray for, for me. And so Paul used it that, and then I took it over. Well, now I continue to use it. I continue to use it as a tool for me to focus. Like I get to focus on God more. It's like more of that meditation time and I put it in writing. Um, and it's also a tool to, you know, hopefully help people say here, I try again there, I try to be as authentic as I am here of this is what I'm dealing with. And, but this is what I'm learning from it. But at least with this, like I like the voice part of this and being able to do a podcast because it it lets you to hear the emotion. It lets you to hear what I'm really going through. And I, it's easier. I'm a better talker than I am if you haven't figured that out yet. As Jason told me that, you know, talking is a gift. is <laughs> one of my gifts is talking. So um, Jason is the executive producer of Surviving Fear. So I mentioned him in episode 10, but he's the reason this all came to be. But, um, I like to, I like you to be able to hear my voice and hope that you can get to know me. I wish I could hear everybody out there that's listening. So I could get to know you guys as well. But anyway, let's get back to business. I don't call it business, but, um, I had this experience. It was in September of last year where I walked out of my house and at the time I still wasn't driving. I couldn't drive. I didn't drive when I was on chemo at all because it just knocked me loopy you know, I just was dizzy. I couldn't like focus. Like if I turned and was looking at something to my left, if my, if, you know, the dog barked or somebody said something to my right, I would turn, my head would turn, my eyes would turn, but there was a lag. It was also almost slow motion when my vision would actually catch up. So it was not safe for me to drive to say the least. So I was getting driven everywhere and Paul was taking me to something. I don't even know where it was. And I don't know if you've ever had the experience of finding ants in your house, but I found, you know, when you find one ant on your countertop in your kitchen or wherever, you see one and then you see two. And then it's almost like somebody pulls back the focus or pulls back the zoom lens. And all of a sudden, instead of just seeing the a single tree, you're seeing the whole forest, like you pull back and then all of a sudden you see thousands of ants that have infiltrated your home. Something like that kind of happened to me. I walked out of my house and my neighbor that lives across the street has driven this green truck forever. And he's, he's this great neighbor. 
I feel safe knowing that he lives across the street because if I need anything, I know he will jump in and help. And I look and on the back of the truck, I see this purple faith over fear sticker. Now, this particular neighbor isn't one that I would immediately think would put a faith over fear sticker. If he did, I think his either his daughters or his wife would have done it for him. And it's not to say anything against this particular neighbor. It's just, it's not something that I'd expect from him. And I look, and then I look at the other two cars in their driveway. They have white faith over fear stickers on their back of their, on their rear window. And that's that moment where I see one and then I see two. And then I pulled back my vision and every single car in our cul-de-sac that I could see. So we have six houses in our cul-de-sac. There are, there's two houses I see directly from my front porch immediately. Every single car had a faith over fear sticker on the back. And it was so amazing. And I just burst in tears of just how touched and I was and how loved I felt and that someone would do something like that for me because that was, I told you was the, was the reason, you know, was my, is my mantra is living faith, living a life of faith instead of a life of fear. So faith over fear, which again, I told you was not mine. That is Reese Imhoff and that's his family. And I completely adopted from him and I'm trying to spread Reese's message because Reese's message is a reason why I'm still here able to talk to you and be with you guys because, and still be here in this, in this, I don't want to call it dimension, but here on, in our earthly lives. And I haven't crossed over my heavenly life yet because of that positivity that that mantra has given me. And my neighbors had their stickers all on their cars. And then I look and there's neighbors down the street then my friends pull up in front of my house and they have a faith over fear sticker and they were all over town. My sweet neighbors that live two doors down organized all this. They saw that I had adopted faith over fear. They ordered the stickers. They put it on their porch, sent out emails and texts and said, Hey, come get them. And show your support because we think it'd be really cool that as Sarah's driving around, that would give her hope as she sees all these faith over fear stickers on people's car just to know that the message is getting spread. And it was so amazing. Like how, what, like, and I wish I had that creative mind. It was a, such a simple idea with such a profound impact on my life. And I don't, I wish I had that brain. Like I have friends that just do phenomenal things for others. I tend to cook. That's like, that's my thing. I'll cook and I'll deliver it to your doorstep. But when it comes to creative things, every once in a while, lightning will strike and I'll get a great idea. It's not my wheelhouse and that's okay. My gifts lie elsewhere. But I just was so touched by such a simple yet profound gift of putting stickers on the car of something that meant so much to me that I, it's a message. That's why I'm doing this podcast is it's a message that I want you people to hear and understand to help simplify life is to have faith. Don't be afraid. 
That is not how we're called to live, even though that's how we tend to live because of what we are bombarded with. We are constantly bombarded with things that we're supposed to be afraid of. Where if you live and walk in the faith of God, then you know you're taken care of. He just wants you to have adventure. He wants you to feel comfortable. And yeah, stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. We know that. And And that brings me to this particular scripture, and it's Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. And I think you've, you've probably heard the saying, you know, that's my cross to bear, you know, Christ took up a cross and then he hung on it and he did nothing wrong. He chose that for us. And so he doesn't tell us, hey, come skipping along beside me and it's going to be all fun and games and it's going to be all happy and lovey and you'll never feel any pain. He doesn't say that. It's not that way. He says, pick up your cross and follow me. He says, pick up your challenges, pick up your struggles and come with me. Come with me. And it's not going to be easy, but come with me because where I'm taking you is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be better than anything you can imagine. It's not easy. Life is not easy for anybody. I don't know a single person that's like, oh, yeah, my life's fantastic. I've never had any trouble at all. We all have troubles. We all have crosses to bear. But the difference is, is we get to choose our attitude while we deal with that struggle. We get to choose it. He doesn't say, hey, you're going to have a struggle and then you're just going to feel awful and terrible and hopeless all the time as you're dealing with that struggle. The only the only way you feel that is because you're allowing yourself to feel that way. You're allowing yourself to feel hopeless. You're allowing yourself to stay. And I'm not saying that in a way that, because I mean, I, I don't want to, depression is real. It is real. It is a real struggle. And there's ways to get help. And when I say it's not hopeless, and I say you get to choose, you get to choose whether or not you get help if you're dealing with depression. You get to choose to get help if you're dealing with obesity. You get to choose to get help if you're dealing with addiction. You get to choose to get help if you're dealing with cancer. And you may feel like that that's not a choice, but it is. I know many people that have chosen not to do any type of protocol or medical help. They choose to go their own way, and that's their choice. That's their choice. 
and they're at peace with that, and that's fine. But you get to choose how to perceive and the attitude you're going to have as you face these struggles, because there are going to be struggles. That's a guarantee. The other guarantee is you're going to be loved the whole time you're dealing with struggles. You have to open your heart and accept it. You have to be still before the Lord. You have to lay those struggles at his feet and say they're yours. Because you know what? You're going to know how to handle this problem way better than I am. And that's an act of humility and humbleness before the Lord. Saying, you know what? You're better equipped for this. And I know you're going to equip me. And I know you're going to give me hope. And I know you're going to allow me. But I have to do my part too. And I have to choose that positive attitude. And I have to choose you, Lord, over wallowing in self-pity. Which isn't easy. Like I say it like it's an easy sentence. No, it is work. It's work every single day. I have to work at it every single day of my life. I work at being positive and I fail. I fail. I fail every day. I fail and I get negative about even simple stuff. It's like now that I'm back to my regular world, I still fail because I'm letting those old habits creep back in. I'm letting those old habits of negativity creep back in on the simple stuff like baseball or whatever my family's dealing with that now seems so petty and how I could allow myself to go back to being worried about any of that compared to what I've seen firsthand. But I stop and I don't beat myself up. You have to stop beating yourself up because I do it all the time and I'm working on it. And that's why I say you have to because, hey, do as I say, not as I do. But I'm actually working on it. I'm working really hard on, okay, how can I make this positive situation? Because I want to have a positive household. Yes, you're going to be human. You're going to be like, okay, how is this going to happen? Oh my gosh. You know, how am I going to make this happen? Why is this happening? And then you have to stop yourself. You know what? It's going to be clear. He's going to lay the path and it's going to be clear. And the more you do that, the easier it is to see his path for you. It's so much easier to see the path that he has laid before you if you're not down in the depths of negativity. You know, a few months ago, um, the priest at my church told us this parable, and it's the first time I'd ever heard it, but I guess it's one that's a common parable. And I, I heard it, and it was so powerful to me. And I wanted to share with you now, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but you'll get the general idea. I'm sure there's a way more eloquent way to present this in the way I'm about to, but the story is that there's a father standing there and he's working in the yard and his young son comes up to him and says, you know, dad, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And he's like, what are you struggling with? And he says, well, you know, dad, I feel like in my head, there are these two wolves that are fighting and one wolf is good and one wolf is bad. And he's like, I just don't know which one's going to win. I mean, how do you know which one's going to win? Is it going to be the good wolf or the bad wolf that wins? How do we know? And the dad goes, the wolf that you feed more 
is the one that will win. So do you want to feed? Because sometimes it's easier to feed the bad wolf. It's really funny how Satan makes it real easy for us and how tempting he makes the bad wolf seem. And sometimes it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm like, how many, how many metaphors can I throw at you today? But sometimes it is. It's that wolf in sheep's clothing. They look all gentle and it looks like it's okay. And, you know, sheep look cuddly and they look fantastic. But there's a wolf buried in there. There's a wolf hidden behind the sheep. Sometimes it's not easy to feed the good wolf. Sometimes that takes some effort. Sometimes it takes sacrifice to feed the good wolf. But when you feed the good wolf and the more you feed it, the stronger you make it. So when you feed positivity into your soul and you feed positivity into your spirit through reading scripture, through doing things that bring you joy, through doing things that spread joy by volunteering and giving of yourself what you can, that feeds the good wolf. And the more you feed it, the stronger it becomes. Thank you guys for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I'll see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, J.T. Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.